Happy first Sunday of uh, 2024. I'm glad you chose to be here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And while you're flipping there, uh, I'm trying to get all my stuff in order here. I got many things. Uh, just a few, uh, a few announcements. Uh, uh, first off, Luke mentioned that, uh, you know, with gospel reach time, things are going to be a little bit different for the next few weeks. And so, uh, the new year is a a good time for us to, uh, for multiple reasons, but for us who are members of Cross Point, it's for us to kind of go through some of our core values uh, that we remind ourselves of, you know, who we are, commitments that we make at Cross Point to start the year. We do that as individuals in our personal lives, but also here's the church. But also, uh, during the New Year is a good time when people begin to visit churches. And so it's a good time for us from the beginning of the year for us to, if you're visiting here at Cross Point for the next three weeks, what we will do is we'll kind of go through uh, who we are at Cross Point and, and the things that we value. Uh, the most important things to us. And so we're going to do that uh, this morning. By way of announcements, uh, in the, in the, on the back at the giving tables is our proposed budget for 2024. Uh, and so it's there for you to pick up if you're a church member there. Or if you're not a church member, you want to see what, I think you can tell a lot about a church and what's important to a church by looking at their budget. And so if you want to look at that, uh, that's where you can pick that up. Uh, we will vote on that as a church in two weeks from now. So that'd be the 21st. We will have a silent vote uh, there. And so grab that. A uh, couple other things is, I'll, it kind of goes with the sermon, but every year we provide uh, different reading plans uh, for you. If you don't have a reading plan through the Bible that you have started, it's not too late to start. The best day to start is today. Uh, and so we have a, a few available out there. Uh, there's one that's a, the entire Bible. It's the Blue Letter Bible. Uh, reading plan, one-year plan, uh, breaks it down for you. There's one that we have that's a reading a psalm a day, uh, and then reading the New Testament in six months. But also, this is a new one. Actually, all these are new. We changed them up this year. Uh, there's the, the Redemptive Historical Bible Reading Plan. And so you won't read the whole Bible, per se, but what you'll do is you'll read through the Bible and see the redemptive history as from Genesis uh, to Revelation, from creation to culmination, if you will. You'll kind of read through the, the story of the Bible uh, throughout the year. So please feel free to grab those. Those are on the truth wall as you walk out this side. If you ever wondered what that wall is with all those books, that's what we call our truth wall, uh, which what we'll talk about this morning. And so our current sermon series commentaries that Luke and I are using, we're, they're made available there for you to see that. Sometimes we have free resources there for you to pick up and take. Uh, but on the table, there is uh, these reading plans. Uh, we also, on that table, if you have your kiddo in here, there's a, a kid uh, outline follower, if you will, for them to be able to take notes during a sermon uh, and things like that. Anyway, Psalm 19. So Crosspoint, uh, we... Uh, what we say, the, our purpose statement, if you will, is that we exist uh, for God's glory. Uh, and the way that we do that is we commit ourselves to three core values. Those core values are we commit ourselves first to God's truth, secondly to God's people, thirdly to God's mission. So what we're doing for the next couple weeks uh, is that we're going to break those down. But instead of us just like cramming them in our head, one thing that we realize uh, that I realize is that uh, having all the knowledge in the world doesn't necessarily mean much if I don't arrive at understanding of those things. 
uh, having all the, being committed to God's truth, but not, if I'm not practicing God's truth, then it doesn't really matter how much truth I know and how much truth I've been committed to. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times I necessarily say I want to come to church. Uh, if, if, if I'm not coming and being with God's people is not transforming and changing my life, then it doesn't really mean much. And I'm not growing in love for God's people. I'm just doing it hourly. So here's what we've come to understand is that we need God's help in committing to his truth. And we need God's help in committing to his people and committing to his mission. So the way that we're going to end all of these sermons, this next three weeks, we're going to end in a time of prayer. It's going to take the time of our gospel reach time, if you will, that we're going to pray uh, this morning that, that God would help us and uh, teach us to, to love his word. And that is that he would help us grow in his word and commit to his word because uh, without his help, A, and we will, our fire will go non-existent in a couple weeks, and we need him to fan that flame. But also for him to take what goes into our head, and we say it like this, that study, uh, through study we receive knowledge, but through the Spirit's guidance that we receive understanding, and that we won't understand those things that we've committed ourselves to. Uh, and so, by, by the way, I do want to start this morning with prayer. Uh, we haven't gave an update in a while, uh, but Ms. Dana Russell, who a couple months ago uh, was diagnosed with cancer uh, and has been doing treatments, uh, went into the hospital last night. They were on vacation this past week uh, up, in, up in Gatlinburg, Smoky Mountains, and she they came home. She was just not feeling well, not doing well, so uh, Josh, her son, brought her back home and went to the hospital last night, uh, and so now they have flown her to Jackson, uh, this morning, and so the last update, let's see. Uh, is that uh, they think that she has a blood infection and pneumonia, and so then, yeah. So it's just it's the time in which Ryan actually, to show you kind of where we are, I sent Ryan on this morning to be there. Uh, and so Courtney and Will are coming home from, uh, from Tennessee. Last time I talked to her, they were going through Georgia. Uh, and um, they will, uh, sorry, Alabama, not Georgia, Alabama. Uh, they'll be in Jackson about 1.30ish. And so anyway, as a church, I want us to take a moment before we get into the word, even if you don't know Miss Dana, uh, to lift up Miss Dana that God would touch her uh, and that, uh, that we would pray for her kiddos. That's Courtney, uh, Josh, and Bailey are her children's names and then grandchildren as well. And so I just want to take a moment before we get into the word that, that we as a church, go. Uh, and in a moment, Gentry, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud over, over okay? But anyway, let's pray for a moment, and then I'll, uh, Gentry, pray in a minute. So anyway, everybody pray. Gentry, if you'll pray for Miss Dana and the family.
Amen. Amen. Uh, Psalm 19. So this morning, I said, we're going to go through our core values over the next three weeks. And this morning, uh, we're going to start with God's truth. And so we exist uh, across when we exist for God's glory. And so I want to break that down for a moment. Uh, when we went through our Christmas series, we talked about God's glory and what God's glory is. Uh, and so I want to kind of continue in that. We talked about how, uh, how when, when Christ came, we've seen the glory of the Father. And we talked about the word glory is that it's, it's the manifestation, it's the, uh, the revelation of God's character, his nature, his goodness. And so when we say that we at Crosswind exist for God's glory, what ultimately what we're saying is that when God moves through us and we our desires that God would move through and in our church, that his character, who he is, is revealed in our lives and and through the, to the world around us that that through the church that that God's holiness and His grace and His steadfastness and His mercy, His forgiveness is made known not in full because we're not perfect, but through broken people that the very nature and the glory of God, if you will, be made known throughout the world. And so we say that we believe that way that we as believers individually and corporately uh, can bring God glory or to glorify him. Well, what that means is that we don't make God glorious. He already is glorious. He's glorious within himself. There's nothing we do to add him, add glory to him. You follow me? Like even if we never sing, oh, holy is the Lord, he's already holy. He's already glorious. He doesn't necessarily, we don't make him glorious. We, what we do is we recognize his glory, his goodness, and his holiness, and we ascribe to him the praise that he alone is due. That we, we make, uh, we, uh, the, the word to glorious to, uh, is weighty or bring weight to him. What we try to do as a church is to bring weight to show uh, evidence, if you will, to the, to the goodness and the character and the glory of God. And that's our desire at Crosspoint is that we want God to be seen for who he is and as he is. Uh, as we as a people gather together, as we serve together and love one another, that God's glory will be known. So we say that we do that by committing ourselves to God's truth, to God's people, and God's mission. This morning, we're going to look at committing ourselves to God's truth. This word commit here is the one that we all kind of understand what we don't really like. We, some, some, we have commitment issues. Uh, we struggle with uh, oftentimes committing ourselves, or some of us struggle with over committing ourselves, that we can't say no. Uh, we don't know how to say no. And, uh, and for some of you, yeah, that's, that's me, my husband tells me that all the time, my wife tells me, we can't say no. Uh, but the reality is sometimes when it comes to, and this is just like real talk, is that when it comes to the spiritual realm, when it comes to God things, uh, we do struggle with commitment, that we will commit every ounce of our days to other things, yet not to the things that are eternal. Uh, and so we, uh, our prayer is, is that this, we, com we exist for God's glory by committing ourselves to God's truth. It isn't just this ideal that we wish, but we pray that God would allow us to prioritize his word over other things in our lives that we will ask God to help us prioritize his truth, that we'll commit to his truth, even if that means getting rid of another commitment in our life, that we actually sacrifice, if you will, for time in God's word. So, so we commit ourselves, that's both corporately across point, but individual members, we commit ourselves to God's truth. And so what I want to do this morning is give us the what we commit ourselves to, the why we commit ourselves to, and how we commit ourselves to. You follow me? 
All right, so number one, what are we committing to? When we say God's truth, what does that mean? Uh, because many of us can, when we think about, well, you know, we're, we're going to get in the Word. Uh, we're going to begin to read more books about the Word or this, that, and the other. We're committing ourselves to God's truth. So what do we mean by that? If you don't know, what I mean is this thing called the Bible. Uh, this thing, say, Justin, we're at church. We know, like, we're committing to this. Uh, we're committing to God's Word. I don't care if it's NIV, NASB, ESV, KJV. If you can understand it, just stay away from the message, all them other ones, uh, but you'll be good. Like, I don't care what it is, but we are committing ourselves to God's truth, the revealed Word. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Word, the Logos, God, uh, become incarnate, Christ. When we say we're committing ourselves to God's truth, obviously we commit ourselves to Him, commit ourselves to Him, but we're committing ourselves to the Scripture, the revealed Word. This thing right here that is a collection, this is crazy, a collection of 66 books by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period in three different languages written on three different continents, this thing we call the Bible. That somehow, someway, even though it is 66 different books, it makes up one book, it's 40 different authors, three different languages, it's still made of one story. This thing called the Bible. This is what I'm saying. The revealed word. The scripture that reveals to us God and reveals to us ourselves and, and reveals to us salvation. And here's what I need you to hear me when I say this. So when we say we are committing to God's truth, we are not saying that we're committed to read what someone else says about God. We're committing to see what God says about God. In the, in, in the information age of 2000 and now 24, when everybody, you can just go to your social media reel, and if, if you've ever searched something Christian, you're going to have some kind of Christian thing go by. We can get our, what we believe about a certain topic by a 15-second clip on Instagram and think that we've come to great understanding. I don't want to just, I mean, I, obviously I study and I read uh, dead guys. But I want to I go to God's word to commit to it and see what God says about God. I want to learn what he says about himself. That means when I say we're committing to God's truth, we're not saying we're committed uh, to read what somebody else says about life and about man. We're going to the scriptures to see what God says about life and what God says about man. When we say we're committing ourselves to God's truth, we're saying we're not saying we're going to go read what other, some other man says about tragedies and hardships and sicknesses and life and death. No, we're going to go, we're committing ourselves to go to God's truth and see what he says about tragedies and life and death and circumstances. Then that's what we say when we say we're committing to God's truth. We're committing to what God has said, not what somebody said about what God has said, but what God has said. So what are we committing to? We're committing to the Bible. So Justin, duh, we knew that. Well, we need to be reminded that, that God has revealed himself to us, that we have access to his words, that we don't have to go through the channel of somebody else's thoughts, but God has given us his own thoughts. May we never forget that, that he has spoken to us. Secondly, why do we commit ourselves to God's truth? Why should we do that? It's some old dead book, isn't it? Or do we read it just because it's, uh, it tells us the history of the world and where we came from? Why 
do we commit to God's word? Well, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Here it is that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So why do we commit ourselves to God's word and God's truth? Is because by it, you and I can be complete and equipped for every good work. That, so we, we can deduce from that that without it, we will be incomplete and not fit for any good work. You follow me? So th- that's the logical Reduction from that is that if we don't spend time in God's word, if we're not committed to God's truth, then therefore we will find ourselves not equipped for good work. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So why do we commit to God's truth? A, because it is through the, good, through the word that God transforms and sanctifies and equips me for the work that he's called me to. But B, is that notice, and we talk about this in Romans chapter 12, we talk oftentimes about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. And oftentimes we think, you know, I've got to do, but where does it start? It says, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, what changes my, what renews my mind? It's truth. Oftentimes we have the idea of sanctification that it's an outside-in project. Like, I have a behavioral modification. If I stop doing, if I stop thinking, or if I stop whatever, stop performing in certain ways, the more that I stop doing things, the less those things are become attractive to me. And then through that, God's going to transform my life. But what we'll read from Scripture is that it's the other way. Is that when God saves me, He starts in the inside, first of all, by giving me a new heart takes out a heart of stone and places in a heart of flesh that inside that he places the spirit within me and it begins to give me new affections, if you will. But not only that, but he gives me a new mind. He gives me new eyes. And so what we see is, is that God, yes, he takes away the penalty of sin. And in essence, we're not under the dominion of sin anymore. But thanks be to God that through scripture, through the Holy Spirit, that he will even change my mind and how I think about sin. So why do we commit to God's word is that, that by it, God equips me to do what he's called me to do. But by it, he renews my mind to the, even the way I think about things. What does Jesus tell Satan when he's tempted? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If, if, he's, if Jesus, if I'm simple as that, why do we commit to God's truth? Because Jesus says we don't just eat bread. We've got to have God's word. Y'all are not kiddish, childish like me, but I am. Adrian Rogers said, dust on the Bible equals drought in the heart. Oftentimes we, I would ask this, and does God seem distant right now to you? Coming into 2024, does it feel like your relationship with the Lord is, if we can even say, like stale or non-existent? Does it feel like you have no power or victory over sin in your life? Do you feel as if there's no joy or no peace or there's something's missing? Could it be directly connected that at some point you walked away from the word of the Lord? 
Psalm 19. You would remember that we went through this back in August, and so this will be review more than it is anything. But why do we, why do we commit ourselves to God's truth? Psalm 19, verse 7. That was all introduction, by the way, so I'm just kidding. We actually made a commitment this week, Luke and I did, that we're going to try our best over these three weeks is just to kind of, we want to spend time in prayer. Not that we're forsaking the word, obviously that's the most important thing in the world, uh, but we're going to go quicker than normal through the text and through the sermon we're going to land in where we're asking God to help put those things and drive those things within us. And so, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is a great reward. Father, we love you. God. We thank you for your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Well, we see why do we commit ourselves to God's truth. Psalm 19, first of all, it tells us that the word of God revives the soul. Not only these other two verses we read, but it revives the soul. Look at, again, it says, what you see in verses 7 through 10 is really six different titles for the Word of God. So anytime you see law or testimony or precepts or commandment and fear or rules, think about this is God's truth. This is His revealed Word. This is His revealed scriptures, if you will. So first of all, it says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Man, that's a beautiful, you remember, this is all, if you were here back in August, we walked through this, uh, you remember this, but it says the law, that's the, 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 the divine instruction is, and this is when God speaks down to humanity and lays the law out, if you will, or lays out his will. And it says that the law or God's word, it says it is perfect. This word perfect literally means this. it's not incomplete. It's, it's teaching man all that he needs to live life to the fullest. That the law of God, the word of God, the truth of God, that is perfect. It's the manual on how to live life. And it's perfect meaning, a beautiful definition or beautiful picture is that perfect means that it's all-sided. That the very truth of God, it, it doesn't, it, it's all-sided, it's well-equipped, it's well it, it is complete, it's full, if you will. It's, there's nothing lacking or it can be added. It possesses everything that is comprehensive. That the very truth of God that we're saying we're committed to, why do we commit to it? Because it's perfect and it revives the soul. It's well-rounded or it's all-sided, if you will. And check it out. It revives the soul or revive or renews the soul. The soul is the, the inner man, the real person, the, the person deep inside every one of us that, that is the real one, right? Not what we put out, not that we could put a mask on to make everybody think, I've got everything together, but that deep person who Justin really is, listen to me, the very truth of God is perfect to renew that person. Not the person who can put on a front and act like he's got everything got to going on. Not, not the one who feels like or makes you think that he's, man, he don't struggle. No, the very person, the deep inner man who struggles, who fights, who hurts, the perfect law of God can renew that person. Why do we commit to it? Because this is an all-sided, well-rounded, perfectly comprehensive that can meet every part, every need of the inner man.
revive is to restore or transform, not superficially, or superficial morality or external behavior modification, but it aims at the inner man and it transforms the inner man. And here's how I wrote it like this, that the reason we commit to God's truth, what we see in the text, that it revives the soul and that it's perfect for that, what that means is whatever in my heart or in my soul and my mind, whatever it is that I'm missing, that I'm seeking somewhere else to fill it or find it, only the perfect law of God can fill it. It is all-sided for whatever need, whatever, whatever issue I have, only it and it alone can fill that and speak to that. God's word revives the soul. Secondly, God's word, and I'm thankful for this one, God's word makes wise the simple. Can I get an amen to that? If you, if you didn't amen that, then you got pride in your own heart and you need to confess sin because we're all simple. Makes wise is the simple. Look at verse 7b. It says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Testimony here is uh, the divine witnesses and God's testimony to who he is, what he wills, requires, and what he will do. This is, we see this, we saw this over John chapter 1 over the past three weeks or four weeks, is that, that God has made known, has made men, he's given testimony to himself, right? That's the word that John, the Apostle John, uses in the Gospel of John, all of this testimony that John the, the Baptist gave testimony. And remember when he baptized Jesus, the Spirit came and then the Father gave testimony to the Son through the Spirit and through his own word. And so we understand that through Scripture and through the world that God has given testimony about who he is, what he wills, what he requires, what he will do. And it says that this testimony is sure, that it's true, that it's reliable in every sense. It's able to be trusted and to follow. It is a guarantee to the one who trusts. It is a sure word. As in what we, when we go to the truth of God's word, we may not understand it all, but it's a sure word. It's a true word. It is God's testimony of himself. And what we read on these pages, it may sometimes make us scratch our, I was about to say hair, I don't have any in our head, uh, but it's ever, it's ever so true. My lack of an ability to understand doesn't mean it's not true. My, my inability to connect all the dots doesn't mean it's not true. It's steady and it's sure. And what's the benefit? Making wise the simple. So why do we commit to God's truth? Not only does it revive the soul, but it also makes wise the simple. Simple is a word, earth, it's earthy word. It's not philosophical. It's the, the root word of this word simple is like an open door. As in somebody who is simple is, doesn't have much discernment. It's someone who uh, is tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. As in has an open mind that anything that is tagged gospel, they go, I believe it. It's somebody who has no, 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 no discernment, if you will. Somebody who's, op like I said, open mind. It's open door. So it makes wise the simple. As I said, it's, it's undiscerning, immature in thinking, tossed around, an open mind. But the testimony of the Lord makes wise the simple, which means that it closes the door of the mind by giving it discernment. As we go to God's word, that we'll see this is what God has said. You know what? Not everything that says in Scripture or Bible is Bible, that God actually revealed himself in a way to be known by us. And the more we study it, the more we accurately see God. And a mind that was once completely wide open can now discern the very things and truth of God. 
makes wise. It's a very practical word. Is how to navigate the word, the world. The word of God takes an open, undiscerning mind and teaches it how to close it by giving it discernment. That now you and I, as we, as we commit ourselves to God's truth, when we live in this world as we're continuing on, that everything is happening, that, that through the lens of Scripture we have discernment of everything that happens around us. I didn't say understanding. I said discernment. A lens in which we can look at and go, and why is the world this way? Well, Scripture says, man, can God, really, can God really make something good out of this situation? Well, Scripture tells us, can I really continue to have hope in that darkest moment? Well, Scripture tells us, that's what the truth does, is that it takes an open, open mind and gives it discernment that we, that we begin to evaluate and interpret all of life through the lens of Scripture. Why do we commit to it? Because life's still going to happen in 2024. You follow me? Like, it's, it's, it's already happening for some family members in our church right now. It's going to happen. And if we try to navigate crisis and struggles and life altogether absent from God's word, then our view is going to be tainted and distorted. We're going to begin getting to a place where we judge God or, or view God through the lens of our emotions and our struggles versus we're viewing our struggles and our emotions to how our lens of God. Like it's just going to get flipped if we're not committing ourselves to God's truth because life is going to happen. So why do we commit? Because I need a lens and be able to see correctly. Because I'm human, I'm fleshly, I'm fallen, I'm broken, I'm easily wounded, I'm easily knocked off course. And if I'm not committed to God's word, my, my sight may get a little, little hairy. Thirdly, and I got to move forward, God's word rejoices the heart. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The word precepts here is a strong word, like the, the statutes of the Lord. is not suggestions or ideas or fleeting truth. These are absolute truth. These are doctrines. These are truth established, communicated. And understood. that's why it's important for you and I to study, not just like in the shallow end of Christianity, but dive off in the deep water. Like the more we begin to develop a knowledge and understanding of the deep things of God, the more we understand that, it's less us holding on to those things, but those things holding on to us. Uh, the convictions that we have about God is not something that like I have a conviction of. It's something that he holds on to me with. But it says this, that the precepts of the Lord are right. It's, the, it's how we navigate this world. The, the pitfalls and darkness and despair that is full of attacks of the enemy through the precepts, through the word of God that we navigate. those. What does it do? It says it rejoices the heart. Joy comes from the word understood and applied. Joy in knowing, go connecting it to the, to the end of verse 7 there. Joy comes in knowing that I don't have to figure this thing out. That joy in knowing that I'm not God, but he is. This is, how, this is what holds us. Fourthly, is that we see is that God's word enlightens the eyes. Look at A.B. It says, the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. 
Again, this is the divine decree and mandate. It's authoritative. It's sovereign. It's binding. It's not optional. And it's the demands of God. These commands, they're pure. They're clean. They're transparent. They're understandable. They're accessible. But it gives clear direction for life. That Thankfully, in God's revealed words, he hasn't left it muddy or murky. You follow me? Like he hasn't left it up for us to go, I wonder how I can get to heaven when I die. He hasn't left it up for us to figure out what do I, what am I supposed to do to make myself right before God? He's made it crystal clear for you and I who read upon the scriptures and read upon the words of the text that says man is sinful and fallen and broken. But thanks be to God, he sent a Savior. Named Jesus. That is crystal clear. And the Bible says that no one comes to the Father except through him. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. If any man desires to get to the Father, is confessing that Christ is the Lord. It is clear, crystal clear. <laughs> and I'm thankful that it is pure, that it is clear, that it is understandable. And what that means is that for you and I as believers or for you as an unbeliever, there's no excuse to not know what God has demanded and made clear to us. Because we have it in the truth. It is clear. It's pure means it's not defiled. It's clean. It means it's pure. It means it's, it's eternal. You know why things die? Because they're polluted. Because it, they're not pure. Well, God's word is pure. It's eternal. It's, it will, it's never subject to change or mold or rot or, or anything. It's, it's eternal because it's pure. God's word is eternal and sufficient. Look at verse 9. It says that they're clean and they're enduring forever. They, Lord, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They're eternal and sufficient. And lastly, it says God's word is to be treasured. Look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than also the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So why do we commit to God's truth? Well, just in these texts is that it, it revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens my eyes. And this word is eternal, and it is sufficient for all of life's demands and all that God has called us to. Why wouldn't we commit to that? I told you I'm pretty simple-minded. Like, why wouldn't? If that is to be true, then why would I try to live my life apart from this book? You mean to tell me I don't have to go chase down this, that, and the other to, to have peace within my soul? No, it's found here. What? So, some other things that Psalms says about the Word of God, I think they're going to all come up on the screen at the same time. Psalms tells us that the Word of God is true. See that Psalm 119, that it is right, that it is sweet, that it is pure, that it is tried, that it's a lamp and a light, that it is eternal. So why we commit ourselves to God's truth. So lastly, how? How do we commit ourselves to God's truth? It seems pretty simple. 
Well, practically, I mean, like I said, we do have some reading plans out there. Maybe you don't want to get started with the whole Bible. Maybe you don't want to start in Genesis. So we have a six-month New Testament plan. Maybe you're like me and just really love the Psalms, and we have on the back of that a Psalm a day reading plan. You can do them both at the same time. It's pretty crazy. You have a daily Bible reading plan chronologically, I think. And then you have these other options back there for you to you make a plan to commit to God's Word. So firstly, we study. Say, duh. We read the Word. We make a decision that I'm going to read the Word, and, and we don't get disheartened if we miss a day. We just double up the next day, or we pick up where we were the next day, or maybe we don't understand. And, and what I've come to understand, it's actually Paul Washers who taught me this, and, and say taught me, and it, he was teaching somebody else. I just watched the video. I don't know him. Anyway, that made it sound like we were sitting in a room together. But anyway. He, has a, he says there's two types of reading Scripture. There's the boots on and the boots off. And I've shared this before, that majority of the time, definitely as a preacher, I have a very boots on mentality of reading Scripture. I was like, I'm, I'm going to war. I'm going to the text. I'm trying to prepare a sermon. Like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to understand this, that, and the other. And there are times for all of our lives that we have a boots on type of reading Scripture. We're going to the text. We want to understand what God has said here. We want to understand what this means. We want to be able to try to reconcile things that seem against one another. And then we finally understand you can't. So you just accept it anyway. But you put your boots on and you go to war over the text. And that's sometimes, but the majority of the time, we just need a boots off mentality of reading scripture. And what that means is I literally take my boots off. I kick my feet up and I begin to read scripture. Maybe I get to somewhere and I don't understand what it's talking about. You know what I do? I just flip to the next page and keep reading. Why? Because I'm not trying to be able to, and every time I read Scripture, it's not about being able to define or defend. It's about getting in the Word and letting the Word get in me. So I pray that in this plan that it's like we have this idea that it's, we kick our boots off and just get in the Word of God. That we soak it in, we study and here's what I understand about Scripture the more that I study it, that Scripture is not just for information. It's about transformation. So only do we study, but here's the second one. It may be already up there. We obey what we're studying. Follow me? <laughs> like, this is not legalistic at all. This is the intention of Scripture is to be transformative, not just informative. You read Psalm 19, it's not just so that we can know the things of God, that it actually changes the inner man that results in me walking in, 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 in obedience and holiness. That by my time in the Word, it's going to actually change the way that I treat my wife. It's going to affect it. That, I, that if I'm committed to God's truth, really, and it's transformed my life, that I may be imperfect, but He's going to actually teach me to how to love my wife as Christ loved the church. It's going to be imperfect, but He's going to teach me to do it. Why? Because that's what the Word of God does is it transforms us. And if it's not transforming, then it's not being understood. So we read Scripture. I remember it used to be so, so black and white for me when I was a teenager. And my, my senior year of high school, like, I was so black and white. Like, if it said, like, forgive your enemy, I would think about somebody who, I'd, like, had something against me, and I would go to them that day and go, hey, I forgive you. Will you please forgive me? Like, what happened to me? I got spiritual and sophisticated and forgot how to be obedient to the very truth of God that I read. And I'll probably say you would say the same. Obey what God is calling you to do as you're studying Scripture. How do I commit to it? 
Say, Justin, what is that? How does that have anything to do with anything? If I want to stay committed to God's word, I believe that it's through the studying God's word and us obeying and doing what all God has called us to, keeping his commandments, Jesus tells his disciples that he will give, he will, he will make himself known even more. Not just in information, but in the obedience of doing what he's called us to do. So we pray, so we serve, we study, we obey. I wrote down community, or we share it. We share with others, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is why small groups are important. This is why having people around you, hey, I'm going to read. Will you read with me? But fourthly, we pray. We pray. We ask God to help us stay committed to his truth. So we pray two, two ways. A, we pray for God to give us the desire Actually, three ways. We pray for God to give us the actual, not just the desire, but to do it. I think there's scripture that says that he gives us both the desire and the ability. But anyway, and then we also pray that what we are studying, that it's not just informative, that it's transformative. We don't stop the prayer there. We want that to change our hearts and our lives. That way that we're not just hearers of the word, but yeah, 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 it's crazy. The Bible says that. I right, said, so this is super simple, but what we're going to do, not bringing, did I go out just we're not bringing John Ryan up to play keys. We're going to literally going to sit in silence because oftentimes, as you saw it earlier, silence is a whole, sometimes louder even than noise. And so what I want us to do as a response to this, I want us to spend time. First, we're going to pray personally. And then we're going to move into praying corporately. And the third way I want to ask you to pray is that you pray for us as pastors. Feel me? That we will commit ourselves and you to God's truth, individually, corporately, from leadership. So I'm going to ask you just to kind of bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. And then we're going to pray out loud, by the way. So what we're going to do, and then we're going to do this for the next couple weeks. And so this moment this morning may be awkward for you. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, but God really kind of impressed on my heart last Sunday whenever we prayed. And we, what, we see in a week, God answered those prayers. Not that he's our genie, but I believe he hears us when we pray. And he delights to hear from his people. And so if you feel led to pray, I'm just going to give us some time. If you feel led to pray, uh, praying towards committing to God's truth. And however God leads you to pray, I'm going to ask you to do that. And so uh, if you feel led, just stand up and, and pray.